Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. This is Sherry Bayer from All in the Industry. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, Visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. If you're bopping along to that awesome little tech tune, you know it's 1 p.m. on Monday afternoon and it is time for Tech Bites. I'm Jennifer Leitze, your host, and every Monday afternoon, I come out to Roberta's Pizza and sit in the Heritage Radio Network studio, which is actually two shipping containers, and we talk about the intersection of technology and food, and we have a lot of head-bopping, dancing-around-the-studio ladies here to talk to you today. So the first thing we like to do on Tech Bites is to introduce everyone so you can match the names to the voices. First up, we have Stephanie Berghoff, who is the president and co-founder of Culintro. Hello, Jen. Thanks for having us on today. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks for coming out to Bushwick. With her, we have Sarah Campbell, who's her partner. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, indeed. And in the booth, we have our engineer, Jack Inslee. Hey there. Who is also the network's executive producer and a DJ. Oh, yeah. Who's Actually, got it? I was DJing on Friday night with the creator of the Tech Bytes theme song. And now he's going under a couple of different DJ handles he right now. just changed his name. So he's going with Uptown Nico now, which I like better than Quitter. Quitter had a very difficult spelling and yep. was kind of hard to find and figure out. So I like Uptown Nico better also. Totally. Um, we're going to have Uptown Nico, I think, and Jack do a Tech Bytes music show sometime soon. Looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. So the first thing we do on Tech Bites is we start every show like a great meal with an appetizer where everyone in the studio goes around and talks about an app that they're really using right now that they love. Sometimes it's a new thing they've just discovered. Sometimes it's an old favorite. Um, to give the ladies a little bit of time to think, Jack, we'll throw it to you. What do you, what do you got for us this week? I got two things I want to talk about really quickly. So the first one is straightforward. It's called Trello. Uh, T-R-E-L-L-O. It's kind of like a to-do list app, um, which is useful for me. And uh, you can kind of invite collaborators. So say me and Erin have a to-do list. She can hop in there and put notes in there. So if something comes across her desk that I need to see, it can go right on that Trello list and kind of just easy to keep your tasks organized. Have you used it before? I have used it before, and I find that young, entrepreneurial, busy, busy people are the ones who are using it most. It's not something that I've seen in a sort of older, more traditional business way. Mm. But the thing that Trello is great for, I think, is that it allows you to check in and see how things are moving along without having to deal with email. Right, exactly. So instead of sending someone an email like, hey, can you look at this or what's this or what's that? You just check in on the Trello and leave everything there which is nice if you're trying to figure out a way to sort of decrease your tech time. 
for sure. And then the second thing I really quickly want to touch on, and we'll get more into this hopefully on future episodes, is the Apple Music app, which, uh, funny enough, my phone is like updating as we speak because <laughs> you, you need to upgrade the iOS in order to access it. But, I mean, so as I understand it, you know, they're kind of entering that Spotify title space and offering their own music streaming service. It's been a really competitive marketplace, I think, in the music industry over the past few months with Jay-Z launching Tidal, which was supposed to be the better option uh, to Spotify, though it was more money. And now with Apple entering, it's, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see you know, which one comes out on top. I wonder if any restaurants or you know, clubs and, and nightlife things are using these services for their music inside the restaurants. Well, Spotify for sure. Yeah, people use that often in their restaurants. Mm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see who comes out on top. Apple Apple has a lot going for it, I think. It does, but I feel like they lost a lot of ground with the watch. Mm, yeah, that, that is not doing well. No, I just saw a, a figure that said that watch sales dropped 90% last week. Yeah. I don't think people are very impressed with it. Yeah. Um, ladies, Stephanie, do you have an app that you like? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really into the Moves app, which isn't new, but it can track your walking and your cycling and your moving on the weekends. And I like to calculate, you know, what what I've done throughout the the weekend and days of the week. Are you one of those people who are counting your steps? I have a bunch of friends who have, you know, Fitbit and different movement trackers where they're trying to get to 10,000 steps a day and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm trying to. I did the Fitbit and it it kind of upset me because I never made the 10,000 steps. (laughs) But Moves is kind of less intrusive to me. It's on your phone. And the other app I like is Munchery, the food delivery app, which I just started using. I find that's a really unfortunate name, though. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you like about it? There are so many food delivery services yeah. right now. It's really a very competitive food tech space. What makes Munchery different or better than the other ones? I like that it's not from a restaurant, and it feels like kind of a home-cooked meal, but delivered to you. Um, and you don't have to browse through menus. There's one menu per day. You could see what you're in the mood for. It tells you the nutritional information. You can decide what time it arrives and kind of plan your week accordingly. I think it's easy to use. So it's a smaller offering, which makes it easier. Yes. And it's made there. So it's not like a seamless or uh, caviar or something like that, where you're trawling through hundreds of different restaurant menus. Yeah, exactly. Have you used savory? Which is a similar no, delivery service I where they not. have their own commissary, where they prepare their own food also. I haven't because I just got a new phone where I can download it now. And my last phone, which the iPhone 5, I couldn't download it because I didn't have the new iOS. That is an interesting barrier to business yes, if you're depending on what your iOS platform is <laughs> for companies. Sarah, what which apps are you into these days? Um, my favorite um, summer app, my summer companion is called Pearl and it tells you where you can find oysters close by. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I love oysters. So it's been perfect for the summer and it tells you what kind of oysters they have and it's pretty new. So they're still um, growing their, their list, but it's been great so far. Is it New York City or New York City surrounding I've only, only or is it, it in New York and the Hamptons so far? Do they, awesome. have other, do they have other cities or states? 
You know, I haven't even played around with it for other states, but I think they're starting to. I, I forget with where they're based. We're getting a, a vote of endorsement from Jack. <laughs> yeah. I also yeah. use the uh, the Oyster Hour app. I don't know if you know that one. Oh. That, that one tells you who's got happy hour oysters. Oh, that's even better. What's nearby. it called? Oyster Hour. Oyster I, Hour. Okay. I believe. I'm going to just double check that. It is Oyster Hour. Yeah. Okay. okay. All, so that, all about the oyster apps over here. <laughs> yeah. On a beautiful day like today, it's it's perfect. Oh, it looks like it's in Boston and San Francisco as well. Perfect. They definitely have yes. good oysters northeast and yes. northwest. Yes. Perfect. That, that, that's a good one. Jack, you need to find a DJ gig at an oyster happy hour. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because usually DJs get paid with free drinks, but I'd much rather take oysters. And then you could you could be working during daylight, which would be nice. Totally. Yeah. And you could be called DJ Mignonette. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy that URL right now. <laughs> so, uh, I also just got the Apple Music and downloaded it this weekend, so I'll let you know how that goes. Please do. Yeah. We'll maybe fold that into the music episode that we're going to do sometime soon. Perfect. So Stephanie and Sarah are here today talking about Calintro, which is an online restaurant industry hub. They have a few different types of things happening there. It's been around since 2009. They have job postings where restaurants can post a listing and people can go and look for job listings. They have events. They have networking events. They have educational programming. It's sort of expanded over the course of the last six years. To just sort of back up in terms of, do you, do you think the principal feature of the site is the employment and job search board or the rest of the social industry networking? Because I sort of break them apart into two very distinctly different pieces. One is very utilitarian and service oriented and the other one, you know, these industry get together, meetups, education, conferences. I feel like there's really a plethora of them right now, um, specifically in the tech and food space. So do you see them as one versus the other or we actually have them both because they work so well together our job board is more of our scalable asset when it comes to the business but in order to keep applicants or posters engaged we need to offer more than just a job board service because there's a lot out there right now so the events the blog the community programs that we continuously produce really help engage our audience and keep them coming back to the website so typically, looking for a job and then industry programming in the restaurant world have been separate entities. You know, historically, people look for jobs, you know, from the newspapers, there was Craigslist. But the restaurant industry itself, even if you look at it from a worldwide point of view, has always been a very, very good information network, even before the internet and before social media. Um, purveyors who visited every single restaurant, you know, making stops every day to deliver, you know, ducks or champagne or cheese were often very much the way people heard about jobs and found jobs and, you know, through the different networks. So what is it about taking that from a really in-person, actually very robust, what was it that you thought needed improving back in 2009 that was the impetus to make something completely different from what the industry was really doing. Yeah, I think technology follows people and the industry, you know, is at a point where they're ready for the technology and they're ready to really start looking for jobs sim in similar ways to how other industries look for jobs. 
and it's much easier to have a niche-based job board where the jobs are, you know, just for food and beverage than to take jobs, you know, off of a monster.com or a career builder where they're... Or Craigslist, uh, or which Craig- was one of the first online chef restaurant job boards. Yeah, yeah. And it, it still is going strong. <laughs> I think it's because it's simple to use, but I that it was important to really offer jobs in an easy banner for the growing industry and the next generation of restaurant professionals. So are you yourself from the restaurant industry then? I used to do PR for restaurants. Have you worked in front of the house or back of the house? I did in college. So coming at it from then, I guess, outside typically Mm -hmm. the restaurant industry, what is it that you think Colleen Cho is doing that is then a differentiator to all the other restaurant industry centered job boards. Eater has one, there's mm-hmm. culinary agents, Star Chefs we has really, them. Yeah, we really focus on building the community in all the markets that we are in because we really believe that if you're offer if you're able to educate and offer services beyond just a job board, people will come back to you and stay engaged and feel a part of something. And the community of restaurants is very close. And if you can offer it in a way that's streamlined and has programs that are really geared towards them and a website that really helps food and beverage professionals offering different tools and educational resources, people will continue, continuously come back. So, Sarah, you are on the sort of a lot of the biz dev and expansion side, and you just recently were working on the launch in San Francisco. What's your typical profile of the restaurant industry person? Because I'm still in my mind when I look at all of these community and industry building events, it is restaurant industry, but it, and I, I could be wrong, it seems to tend towards the marketing people, the PR people, the freelance writers, um, and yes, participating in how to launch my brand, how to do those kinds of things. Yes, it's a good place to post a job listing, front of the house, F&B people. Are there really a lot of cooks? I mean, typically line cooks and restaurant cooks, and you know, they don't have time to be going to an industry cocktail party at, you know, at night during the week. And what... You know, so who who when you when you open in San Francisco, what's your what's your core member like? Well, as you said, um, a lot of it is are the professionals, the people with the nine to five jobs. That's kind of how it begins um, with our launch. That's how we the people we attract first to get the cooks. It is it is really difficult because they are working these crazy hours, um, and they they're not. They're not on the computer. They're not getting our invitations. So to get them... They're not allowed to take their phone out of their pocket during service right. unless they want to get yelled at. Right. <laughs> right. So for that that group, we created these late night events that go from 11 to 2 a.m. In San Francisco, it's a bit earlier because the BART shuts down at midnight there. So more like 10 to 12. And that is a party, but it gets them to the bar, you know, we'll have sponsored drinks and we can get in front of them and talk to them and find out what's happening in the kitchen and get a better idea. And, you know, obviously the cooks in San Francisco have different issues than they do in New York, but it gives us an opportunity to be an ear so that we can then create programs that help them and figure out how to target them and get in front of them, get them the best job and 
follow, like help them throughout their career, and so they keep coming back to us. And that's a really impressively ambitious sell <laughs> to the young cook in terms of all the things that Colin Tro is going to be poised to help them do. It is. It is. We really want to foster their growth, and and some people, you know, it's just a it's just a job, and they don't see it as a career, and. They may never use this again, but we we like to think that we've worked with a bunch of cooks that are now executive chefs, and they've told their friends, who've told their friends, and I think that really separates us from our competitors, like a culinary agent, is that they see us as people that are really there for them. And, you know, Stephanie's been in the industry for over 10 years, and people trust her and there is something to be said for the word community and it still exists in New York. Yeah, that's true though. I mean, but if you look at Star Chefs, they started in the mid 90s by, you know, Fern Berman and um, not Phil Suarez, um, the other John George partner who was in advertising, famous advertising, um, Bob Giraldi. Right. You know, and they've been around for a long time as well. So when we come back from the break, we're going to find out who's helping us with our programming and find out who our sponsors are and listen to some new music we'll talk about the success stories great and this one's by Rectech. it's called tanning bed we'll be right back Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. Well, if you've just tuned in and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is a company called Calintro, which is sort of a digital online hub for the restaurant industry that encompasses job boards, events, a little bit of education, meetups, that kind of thing. And we're talking with Stephanie Berghoff, who's one of the founders, and her partner, Sarah Campbell. And one of the things they're talking about as a differentiator from Culinitro between all of the other different job, board, event, networking entities, I feel like the tech world with the concept of the meetup combined with, you know, the typical restaurant industry uh, penchant for getting together late night has sort of spawned a you know, wealth of entities that are restaurant industry meetup, service, education. Um, some of them lean more towards the tech side, like a Food Tech Connect. Some of them are like you, which are more, you know, industry. So let's look at, I think an easy way to do this, because there's so much to talk about, is to take it, look at it from the two sides of the coin. On the one side, you have 
the restaurant itself, the restaurant, the business owners, the people who are looking to find really great candidates to staff their restaurants. And one thing that we started hearing, you know, maybe five, six years ago was that there are fewer and fewer great staff available because there are so many restaurants. And now you hear so many chefs talking about how it's impossible to find the numbers of great cooks that they need. So from a restaurant perspective or from an employer perspective, what's that relationship and support that you're talking about that is a differentiator beyond just being like a job board? Yeah, we constantly work to engage with younger chefs. So we're reaching out to culinary schools nationwide, trying to become part of their school itinerary, and we provide them with resources, you know, we send them an exclusive job board newsletter each week that they distribute to all of their students as they're looking to graduate. We hand out pamphlets and flyers to the teachers to tell their students that we exist. And when they do graduate from culinary school, they feel that they can become a part of something and not get completely lost or overwhelmed. And so the pitch to the restaurant owner is that you're on the ground talking to the kids. Yes. Yes, when they're in searching, when they're searching for cooks, because it is challenging. And what's the pitch to the kids? I mean, there are so many things that are out there, mm-hmm. you know. And I think you know the younger generation is much more attached to social media and their phones, and is much more used to utilizing the internet to acquire just about everything in their life that they might possibly need. What makes you different from getting a newsletter from the other job boards? Well, the job newsletter that we put together is just for entry-level jobs that are geared towards them. And we also act as a resource, so they can reach out to any one of them, any one of us for advice as they're looking to, you know, start working at restaurants, if that's what they want to do. Because oftentimes, you know, as you said, culinary school students don't necessarily want to go into restaurants. So it kind of the people, the kids that do are the ones who do contact us and do become a part of Culintro. So do you think that, um, and you know, Sarah, you're on the BizDev side, do you think that these two groups are coming up together in terms of their interest? Are there more culinary students interested in your service versus, you know, restaurant employers? Are they coming up together? Is there an equal, you know, sort of demand and, uh, say, product or right. people? Right now, it's still restaurant employers. Um, Culinary school in I think, sense. is coming up. With that we have more applicants mm-hmm. that are already in the restaurant world. Um, but the culinary schools is coming up. We've spent more more time um, focusing on that recently, and our teams, yeah, that's our our main focus at the moment. So hopefully they'll even out. And you say that people can ask you for advice or help, mm-hmm. and that you would be there. What are some of the top most frequent questions or asks that you get on first from the restaurant owner side and then second from the cook looking for a job side uh restaurant owners contact us all the time when they're about to open a new restaurant seeking advice for if we have any chef recommendations or they're about to open and three cooks quit and what can we do we're in we're in dire need for chefs what can you do to help us so we're constantly working to engage our audience and reach out to the people that we know are potentially looking and, you know, set them up with the opportunity. So is this part and parcel of being a member and the services that are offered, or is this something that you do because you're nice and you're well-connected? 
in that, you know, and it still works to this day. I think of the purveyor as being, you know, doing a similar, similar job where the purveyor had the opportunity to stop by, you know, 30 different restaurants a day. So a chef would say to their, you know, like Ariane Zagat d'Artagnan famously, you know, would, they would say to her, oh, Ariane, I'm looking for, you know, a line cook for the fish station, you know, do you know anybody? And then on her travels to see all the restaurants, she would say, oh, you know, so-and-so is looking for this. Yeah, it, it is similar to that. I mean, it is the hospitality industry, and you do need to offer these type of services. We're not ready to be completely tech-savvy industry. We're just not at that point. So you can't ignore what people need. And if you want to really be, be able to offer service and resources, you have to be available. So in terms of the services and resources, how does it work in a practical sense? Which side of it's, it's one side of the coin paying for the services to yeah, make yeah. the to draw be the draw for the other side of the coin or yeah for the job posters pay mm-hmm. you know we have a different series of different payment solutions to find applicants to the positions you're looking to source and the applicants don't pay. So what is the greatest question that you see in terms of? people looking for advice on the applicant side? What kind, what types of questions are you hearing from young cooks looking for work or what kind of support do they need? What do you hear the most out there? I mean, there's definitely a question of what, you know, what, what's the culture like at this restaurant? Will I fit in? Is it the right kind of vibe, for lack of a better word, that um, for me? That's one. Um, what so kind almost of, on a very personal level. Yeah, because like, it, it matters. Again, that's your life. You know, you Match.com were, for a restaurant job. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and employers want the same thing. They want someone that will fit in because it is, it's, a, it's a dance in the kitchen. You have to feel each other's energy, and that's, that's really important. And so, yes, the you know, proper training, those are questions, what's required. Um, but a lot of it is really comes down to if it's the right culture, if you can work with the chef, if you can work with the staff, um, if it's fine dining, questions like that. How do you help find the the answers to those questions? Because they're kind of nebulous and a little intangible yeah. and very subjective. Right. And I mean, it is like dating. Right, it is. You know, just or like looking for a friend or a date or something like that. You right. know, it's very similar. Right. It's not, it's not a 100% guaranteed match um and you you we can only we only know so much as well um we we're not in the kitchen we don't hear the chef when he screams at people so you know there's we do what we can we can see your skill set we can meet you we can see who who's influenced you and kind of so do you so walk me through the process of how you do that we can meet you and all those kinds of things do you have one-on-ones with potential candidates sometimes it's, it's not kind of our day-to-day job because yeah. we do like to encourage people to use the online platform. Mm-hmm. But if someone is in need of help, you know, we're always available. Yeah. So what do you see in terms of the trends going forward for the industry? What type of what types of services are you in the process of building for the industry? What types of, you know, questions and problems are you building solutions for? Uh, mobile is going to be a key player for this industry in the next few years, and you can see it. what already exists out there. Everyone's coming out with 
like the Tinder idea for job boards. Mm -hmm. So it's soon going to come to the restaurant industry, and I, I believe it has. I think a few of our competitors are already launching their apps. So apps, and then what, what would your take on it be, Sarah? I was going to say the Tinder thing as well. Uh, I have to think on that a bit more, but definitely I keep hearing the word Tinder. You know, you, you always hear it's the, the Uber. So the easy, Tinder, right? Yeah, what jobs are closest, what's opening up closest swipe to me. Swipe left, swipe right, hot, yeah. not hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. What about the in-person events? What types of things do you think people are looking to have or looking to learn? What are the top of the asks in terms of we want to learn this or know more about this? Our, one of our most popular events is on restaurant design um, that has been since we launched. Everyone's is that the physical design of the restaurant, the mm-hmm. way it looks, the banquets, tables, yeah. chairs, colors, yeah, it, it, architecture? It, exactly. It attracts a lot of chefs. It attracts a lot of owner-operators, people, you know, front-of-house and back-of-house staff because they really want to understand how the restaurant is built and what makes sense and how materials were chosen and why and that. We have that every year. We're having one in San Francisco in two weeks, and then we'll have one in New York in the fall. That's interesting. I would not have I would not have guessed restaurant design as the most popular. I would have guessed branding or building your social media platform yeah. or you know. Well, there are so training many of those programs. Events. Yeah, there are so many of those events that people find that restaurant design is something that they don't know that much about, and no one else is doing that kind of event. So, and there are also lots of these chefs have this artistic you know they're artists so they want to hear from these designers and hear about the flow and hear about the um how food and the restaurant design really work together and you know just education that they haven't heard about essentially yeah that's great and what about um trends in the restaurants themselves in terms of your being connected with and talking with restaurateurs and chefs on a day-to-day what are the trends that you see coming for the balance of the year, I think fall's the next big push for the opening. What's what's on the horizon? Well, we've seen food halls has been huge, and those keep popping up everywhere. More fast casual, it seems. That's how you make money. And, you yes, know, it's, it's a tough food halls industry. and fast casual are food both hall, ways that you make casual. money. Italy, the big Italian food superstore here in New York City, is the second most visited quote, tourist attraction in New York City. Wow. And there's actually a great episode of Heritage Radio. I think it's Patrick Patrick's show where he talks to the two brothers who brought it here and opened it, and it's absolutely fascinating. It's worth looking for. I'll post it on social media later. I'll find the link and and post it. Great. Uh, Yeah, I think fast casual is really big. Um, Smaller spaces, I'd say. you know, opening up restaurants in New York is so expensive. So I think a lot of chefs and owners are looking for other outside the city or even in other cities to really open up and kind of make their restaurant their own. Which is why they're interested in the design class. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So at the end of each show, I always like to ask my guests for a piece of advice for people listening at home. Um, something that they can take and and use perhaps in their day-to-day. So, Stephanie, I will ask you, if I'm a business owner, Mm -hmm. what's your best advice to finding the best people to hire? How do I go about doing that as a business owner? Um, I would define your culture and then go and 
go go to restaurants that have the culture that you want to create so you can really identify the type of person that you want to bring into your restaurant and that will really help you identify who you're looking to hire so knowing knowing yourself and knowing your business well yeah like attracts like exactly and Sarah to you I would ask the question if I'm somebody looking for a job what's your best advice to, for, to me to stand out or have the best opportunity of getting a job that I think I want? There are things, they're very simple things, but um, not to be overlooked. But being on time for any interview, being prepared, um, and with questions. People forget that, you know, you have to ask questions too. You're interviewing the chef. The chef's not just interviewing you or the, you know, the manager's not just interviewing you. You don't need to know that it's right for you and and you should do research on the restaurant, learn about their philosophy and the food, in their service and just be just be educated and and this is a this is a real job. It's it's while it's at a restaurant, you know, show up, write a thank you note. All these simple things that people forget to do and they mean so much. A, a, a thank you note goes a very long way. Especially in the restaurant industry. Yeah. I can't imagine a, a cook coming in for an interview sending a thank you note after. That would know, be amazing. Think of how amazing that would be. Wow. I mean, you don't have to take this advice. but Do you have samples I, of thank you notes up on the website? You should maybe do that on the blog. We should, they do we have should. a blog and that would be fun. Yes. That would be a fun post to have people send in examples of thank you notes that worked and didn't work. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Because I I don't yeah. know that I've ever quite heard of that. Come in with ideas of how you can see the restaurant getting improving, you know, just things like that. I think would be great. Wonderful. So it comes down to just knowing and being prepared, it sounds like. The more you know and the more prepared you are, the better chance you have of hiring or getting hired. Yes. Yes. All very good advice. I want to thank Stephanie Berghoff and Sarah Campbell, both from Calintro, for coming out to Bushwick today to talk on Tech Bites the Heritage Radio Network show that is live every Monday at 1 p.m. from Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm Jennifer Leitzi. Thank you for stopping by and hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 